one. We are live a Friday splash play back to our roots. Our second show of the week in Spags. We are going to do what we do best, which is draft a best ball team. We did a ton of knowledge accumulation earlier in the week with our pal, Pat Corain, of course, the BBM three winner. And right now we're waiting to hop into a big board draft. So if you want to play along with us on underdog, use that promo code splash right now, get in $200,000 to first place on underdog in this big board draft. Of course, all the rookies available, some interesting ADPs as we talked about last week, we're going to get right after it as fast as possible today. So please help us fill this one, Pete, but Pete, uh, let's talk about some of the stuff you've done this week. Cause I watched ship chasing. You've been doing your leg work. You've been getting, your head wrapped around these ADPs and how to approach things. Is there anything you found new and exciting about this big board draft so far? Um, I mean, it is, it's exciting. The more I learn about the rookies getting to eavesdrop on your and Pat's conversation last week, getting to, I've been, you know, starting to fire up some pods, reading more mock drafts, all that stuff. So the board goes from something where it's like, holy hell, I don't know half of these players to becoming much more interesting. So yeah, I'm, uh, I'm getting caught up to speed fast. You know, I'm going to start developing my own takes here, ready to battle it out with all the draft Knicks. So the one thing that I do want to talk about up top here, because we are going to start the draft here, as you can see the clock sticking down now that the room is filled. Uh, but the QBs are a thing that I find really tough where I've had a few times where I've had, let's say, Stefan Diggs and then Josh Allen is falling a little bit. And I just can't pull the trigger because I do feel like you could find some QB values later. And we saw last year, again, not to point everything to Pat's win and make that the gospel for how to sort of how to approach these drafts. But he had Daniel Jones had Tom Brady putting up, you know, 35 fantasy point days. I don't think you need a Josh Allen. I don't think you need a Jalen Hurts to win. How are you approaching that? Like, are you taking these guys if they fall? Are you taking them at ADP? Because it is a lofty price for QBs. Yeah, I have yet, you know, I've done, uh, I'm in like six or seven slow drafts right now. I've really only, I think I've only done fast drafts on stream. Um, but I have yet to take an elite quarterback. Um, in the like second and third round. I just haven't, I've had sticker shock with it. I haven't had like the clean stack lining up. You know, you see the people do the Kelsey Mahomes, the Brown hurts, the Diggs Allen haven't had those cleanly come to me. And so I just haven't been forcing it. And I do really like a lot of the values in the mid range. Um, you guys are getting me hyped on some of the rookie quarterbacks, especially Anthony Richardson, who's still essentially free. So I just haven't forced it with the quarterbacks early. And I don't necessarily feel like that's a mistake. Yeah, that's where I am with it, too, is that, you know, like I think maybe that chief stack gain in value. Uh, if we see, you know, Patrick Holmes get paired with uh, Brandon Cooks, like a guy who's going late that has theoretical upside that has been tapped into recently. But for where it is right now, like you're getting Kelsey and, and Mahomes together, kind of the same pairing everybody's going to have. You're getting Diggs and Allen, kind of the same pairing everybody's going to have, Brown and, and Hertz. And I just think there's some different ways to go. And we're on the clocks. So let's see if we could put that into practice here. Um, Hill and Diggs would be my guys, but, you know, yeah. any of these receivers are good. I've been taking Hill here, but um, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I don't mind any of these guys. Yeah, Hill, I think that the pass rate over expectation stuff with the Dolphins. And I think, too, like there's a little bit of a discount built in with Tua. Just people afraid of the concussion stuff with him. Um, where, like, to me, Hill and Waddle, I think, uh, one of the best two-man sacks you could find. Just because we know that Miami wants to sling the ball if they can. Yeah, I, I mean, we saw... It's hilarious to think back in retrospect how we were like laughing at Tyreek Hill as he was hyping up Tua on his podcast last offseason, being like, Yeah, nothing's going to change. There's going to be no downgrade in my production. Tua is a top quarterback of the league. And it was like, This dude was fucking right. Uh, so, really, I mean, the only concern you have for Reek, it's more tied to Tua, right? And just his health. But even then, when they had those dusty backup quarterbacks, like Tyreek Hill was still getting an insane market share. He had that massive game, what, in the wild card game against the Bills with Skylar? Was that Skylar Thompson at quarterback? So, I mean, 
Tyreek Hill can do it with just about anyone. Um, I definitely saw enough to where I really don't have any concerns about regularly selecting him at that spot. Yeah, in terms of guys that were running routes regularly and playing, you know, a bunch of snaps per game, Waddle was one of those guys in terms of EPA numbers, the estimated points added numbers that I've been looking at, of course, all season long, but especially digging into here in the offseason. Like he was great last year in a way that like a guy like Rashid Shahid was in a lot smaller sample size, a lot less routes, a lot less targets and all that stuff. And that's Waddle's year two. So what he's going to do heading into year three, I mean, is it possible that he and Tyreek both have 1500 yard years? I think that's really much in play. Um, I think too, you know, Tua, you got to imagine they're going to have a little better insurance than they had last year with Skylar Thompson and Teddy Bridgewater behind him. So I think there's a couple different outs there, but it's mostly just the pass rate over expectation stuff. Like, you know what Miami wants to do. They're not changing anything. I think there's really no risk to taking Tyreek here, especially just, you know, he might be better than he was last year. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And uh, our guy Chipsy saying he loves the two of doubles. That's the other thing. Two is so cheap right now in these drafts as well. Whereas with these other guys, when you take a Chase, a Diggs, a Brown, uh, you know, who's our other guy here? Uh, Kelsey. Like, you have to pay a premium to get that stack. You're going to have to burn a second or third round pick on the quarterback, whereas Tua, what, his ADP's ninth, tenth round right now? So that's a that's another nice bonus is it frees up another spot if you're not, uh, or if you are trying to force a stack. Yep, I'm with you. So we'll see if we can get Waddle here on the way back. But if not, um, the one thing I will say, Pete, uh, it may not shock you to hear. I've been putting together my Spags rankings. I actually showed it uh, to Pete before the show because I wrote bot little blurbs on basically the top 240 drafted guys with some interesting data points and kind of general game theory about it all. And Saquon Barkley to me, Pete, uh, the most overvalued back by about 13 picks here. So I would say let's take Jalen Waddle. Um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm completely fine with that. If we did want to go down, uh, after saying we we don't like the quarterbacks, but yeah, no, let's do Waddle. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, uh, unstacked Allen, I feel like even less appealing to me than Allen with digs. I, I just think there's something too, Pete, where I, I think it might've been your pal, Sam Hoppin, who's going to be doing a new stream on the ship chasing channel coming up right after this show. Um, I think he Sam tweeted Sherman. something about, sorry. Q- yeah, sorry. What was that? It's Sam Sherman, but sorry. Oh, oh, different. Sam oh, Hoppin. okay. So it was yeah. different Sam then. My apologies. Different Sam. Sam, yeah, yeah. Sam Hoppin does stuff for you guys too though, right? He used to. He he oh, okay. was the torchbearer. First, Pat did stat chasing. Then it was Sam, and then Dricko and Sam took over. And now uh, Sam is going to do like an off-season version, but it's going to be uh, all about ADP movement. God, okay, because you just told me Sam. So I'm, I'll take the heat on this one. <laughs> but Pete was like, oh, new show, it's Sam. And I, I just feel like Hoppin's great, but Sherman is also great too. Guy finished really well in Best Ball Mania last year. Point being on that show coming up, um, I think there's going to be some interesting ADP takes. But one ADP take that I think it was Hoppin tweeted out this week was talking about QB ADPs. And I guess every year they start a little bit higher than it's kind of come down as Best Ball Mania season hits and all that. So I'm wondering if we're paying like too steep a price tag as well, just that like this is how it is every year. And I think people haven't kind of put that together yet. Yeah, I mean, but this is still different. I do agree that quarterback stuff always starts to slide down because all the stuff that happens in, I don't know, let's say like rounds four through seven, like you get the really buzzy rookies pushed up in there. You get the, you know, formerly like zero RB candidates who then start projecting for more volume. Like Damian Pierce is the classic example. And once that shift happens, once people start getting more confidence in other situations, the quarterbacks naturally I think get pushed down a little bit, but I honestly haven't seen anything like this in the past, you know, three years of underdog drafting that I've been doing regularly where you see, you know, these quarterbacks all going in the second round. And I am curious if that really changes for these high end guys. I mean, at this point, do you really see a Mahomes, Allen hurts really ever falling past like the mid third in drafts? I don't know if I could see that happening this year. 
the only guy who falls is Burrow. Like Burrow, I've seen go fifteen pack, uh, fifteen picks behind ADP. He's going in the late twenties in terms of the the market ADP on underdog. But he's gone in like I think I saw him at forty five this morning because I've been definitely jamming some big board drafts lately. So I feel like he's the one guy. Here he goes early, but I think he's the one guy that falls a little bit. But I just don't think. I mean, QB ceilings, Pete. I know have been you know certainly more prevalent recently. But I feel like these guys, you know, they all takes us one down week in week 17 or even a down week in week 16. They put up 20 and then you have, you know, Anthony Richardson go for 40 somehow or Justin Fields goes for 50. There's going to be a lot of dead lineups. And I just think it's a bad usage of draft capital. Yeah, uh, I think I agree with that. We we also have some very interesting starts going on in this draft. We have Eagles going with a nice zero RB build. And then I can't read his username on my small screen right now, uh, but a high T draft from the three hole there with CMC, Barkley, and Henry. We are on the clock here. Um, I'm down for like um, an anchor running back or going the Mark Andrews route. Um I'm, I'm in on Andrews. I think that, so one thing that jumps out to me too, and this is something, Pete, I know you fell in love with Darnell Washington a little bit on your ship casing <laughs> stream earlier in the week, but he played at Georgia, right? So Georgia had two tight ends, Brock Bowers, Darnell Washington. Both were great in terms of the advanced analytics, great in terms of target load. Brock Bowers is a guy who's going to be draft eligible next year. You're going to hear a lot of hype about him if you haven't already. Point being though, uh, Todd Munkin was the offensive coordinator at Georgia. Now is the offensive coordinator at the Ravens. I think it's possible Andrew's going to have an outlier year while there's still enough left on the plate for Isaiah Likely. And I think that actually could be an approach coming in that they take some stuff from Georgia. And I think it gives Andrews a ceiling that he didn't have last year. So I think Andrews is a little bit undervalued. If we're going to say Kelsey's a top four pick, like Andrews still has a ceiling. He just kind of sucked the back half of last season. Yeah. And I what how much of his current ADP do you think is tethered to him sucking at the the second half of last year versus uncertainty about Lamar being his quarterback. Do you think the market cares about who his quarterback is, or is it just more in a vacuum? They're a little spooked about Andrews. I think it would be spooked. The fact that like, he basically didn't have a good game after the, uh, you know, the first month of the season. I think he had a couple DFS viable good games in terms of being a guy that put up like 15 points and won a Millie maker. But I think for best ball, like he didn't give you a ceiling at all. So I think you're paying that price tag. And I think too, the fact that like, you know, you can get Evan Ingram, you know, basically around 180 P you can get some of those guys who've had a ceiling. You can still wait on Goddard. You can still wait on Hawkinson. So I feel like all those factors kind of combined for Andrews, but like if he gets treated like those Georgia tight ends, you know, and again, same offensive coordinator, I think it's possible that he's like really undervalued and should be closer to a late second round pick. Yeah. Uh, I think I agree with that. It, it will, you know, similar to the quarterbacks, the tight end landscape will be really interesting to see. Will anyone get pushed up? Like, will we get a kind of um, bully tight end or anchor tight end, you know, strategy that gets pushed where people really kind of fall in love with that again? And that was what was pushing up the Kyle Pitts, the Kittles, the Wallers. People liked having that elite tight end. Or do you think it's just Kelsey or bust in this whole offseason? Everyone's going to be content spraying and praying with three mid to late round tight ends. Yeah, I mean, I think certainly we've talked about the rookie tight ends a little bit with Pat earlier in the week. Um, and again, if you watched Chip Chasing this week, you saw like the Darnell Washington clips, and he's a guy that jumps out. I think taking those late tight ends still looks really appealing to me. Dalton Kincaid's starting to get steamed up a little bit. Uh, some guys, I think Luke Musgrave sometimes gets steamed up a little bit. But there are some late rookie options that I think are pretty fine. And I like pairing two of those rookies late with a Mark Andrews, with a Dallas Goddard, with a Hawkinson, because I think then you're sort of getting a nice floor tight end play who has some upside, but then these rookies are good. Like, I think they could also be guys that carry you come week 15, week 16, week 17. 
for sure. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think like with anything, I want to have a mix of it, right? Like it is pretty viable pulling off three tight end builds right now. And I'm sure throughout the summer, we'll see some of the buzzier names push up. And then when that happens and their costs are, let's make this pick here. Um, yeah. I'm happy to stack uh, Andrews with Lamar. I also don't mind. I've been taking a little Mike Williams here too. I think there's a big opportunity for Mike Williams. And I think too, I mean, there's going to be some receiver blocks. Maybe we can see if Lamar falls a little bit more. Um, I don't mind that because it also opens us up to the Herbert stack if Herbert falls. Yep. So let's go ahead. And we still have the Tua out. We still have stuff we like. So yeah, I don't mind not forcing it at QB and seeing if a guy falls to us. Yeah, I like Mike Williams a lot because I think if we saw, let's say, Keenan Allen not resign, or I guess um, he could be released, but like whatever the case may be, there's some chance that he's not a Charger, and I think a decent likelihood he's not a Charger relative to his cap hit. Uh, Mike Williams would be a guy that immediately starts to come up a little bit more, and I think the outside receiver thing too, like that offense last year really wanted to check down. Like we had a saw a really low A dot for Justin Herbert on throws. I don't think Kellen Moore is going to be that guy. I think he's going to force the ball downfield to Mike Williams. So. I just think he's kind of underpriced to what the role can be and even what it is probably right now with the offensive coordinator change. Yeah. Um, also, just we were on the side of the board too where there were three and now four teams that have already taken their QB. So I think it made sense uh, for this specific draft to push it a little bit. Um, Mike, how, how are you thinking about Mike Williams? Because we are getting basically a round discount on where he was going last year. He obviously had the injury-plagued year. Like, are you... You know, we've never really seen him be able to crush from like a, a vacated targets thing when Keenan's out. Like he just doesn't seem to slide into the alpha role quite as easily. But are you thinking about Mike Williams relative to say Keenan walking? I assume they'll draft a guy almost regardless. Like, do you want to see him in an alpha role or do you want them to take like JSN and then let him just be kind of the big bodied outside guy? So last year, just you know, again, despite the fact that like the way that offense was designed was kind of taking short throws, Williams still had a 0. .250 EPA, so that's like a pretty good number for a guy who's getting targeted downfield. But I think really the fact that like they are probably not going to have Keenan Allen and they're going to replace him with some guy who, I, mean, I guess on the high end, like it could be a Smith and Jigba or something and could be a guy who comes in and maybe he's like close to a one-to-one -one replacement. But I think it's more likely you see Williams with Josh Palmer out there with like somebody coming in as a free agent or as a drafted player. And I think then that opens up the opportunity for Mike Williams to either benefit from having somebody good underneath who's younger or just him, you know, kind of rising with the tide of the fact that I think that was a really poorly coached team last year in terms of what they were doing and Justin Herbert's strengths and all that. Like he shouldn't have, you know, that low of an A dot in terms of his arm and his ability and all that stuff. So I think there's a ceiling for Mike Williams that we probably haven't seen yet. And it could be just kind of seeing his, you know, his occasional spike week ceiling, but seeing that 12 games out of the year instead of seeing him eight. Yeah. No, I think that makes sense. I, I'm, I'm down to take Herbert here. Um, I haven't taken a share of him. We are making like, you know, a pretty solid bet on Mike Williams. Are, are you down for that? I don't mind. I think Judy and Smith and Jigba are also nice picks, but I think at a certain point, maybe we have to shit or get off the pot with QBs so I could take Herbert. Yeah. Have you yeah, been, think, yeah, nice have you been pretty much doing three QB builds in these 20 rounders? Yeah, I think three QB builds, it's tough because I'm, I'm kind of wondering if everybody's doing that now because they saw Pat's winning team have the three QBs and now people just kind of perceive that as a new meta, even though, you know, it might not be. But I don't mind it in a 20-round draft. In an 18-round draft, I'm not sure if three QBs is the best move. No, I'm, I'm still the same way. I mean, that is what's fun about the 20-round is like whatever strategy you want to push, it makes it much more viable. You know, if you really want to punt QB, you really want to punt tight end, you really want to push zero RB, um, 
you can use those two extra roster spots to accomplish that. But I do agree, like the three QB, three tight end, it feels the comfiest. It feels like quote unquote optimal, but I don't mind like experimenting. Like we might find ourselves in a situation where we'll have to decide, are, are we good to go with just Herbert and Tua as our quarterbacks or do we want to, do we feel like we're going to be weak enough at running back where we need that extra bullet on a running back? Yeah, I think there's some flexibility you can kind of have there. And I think if you have Herbert and Tua, like I have no issue kind of rolling with two QBs there because you're going to have natural stack partners that should come up with them as well. And I think, you know, both guys do have a higher upside um, than some of the other two QB builds. Whereas like Daniel Jones was somebody like I like Daniel Jones because he's going to get paid a lot and you probably don't even need to stack him because of how much he rushes. But that said, like, you know, having Herbert and Tua, like you're able to then kind of cut the parlay. And if you have Tua with obviously our two Dolphins, like Tua is going to have an outlier day if those guys are having an outlier day. And again, to think through the three QB thing, one of the reasons that that strategy is specifically good is if you are adding a third stack. So I think if you're just tacking on a third quarterback for, you know, structural purposes without getting the stack, you're actually losing some of the benefits because the whole point and why Osmo wrote that article about the third stack is showing, hey, when you advance to the finals, this might be a way to have a unique stack that the field doesn't have because your other two stacks carried you and then you sneak in a unique one there. And so if you are doing the three QB build, I do think prioritizing a stack makes sense. Right now, that's hard if you're tacking on Anthony Richardson, right? Because it's like, mm -hmm. I mean, we don't know where some of these rookies are going to go. But I do think that's where I lean um, of making sure you are trying to prioritize the stack if it's a veteran uh, quarterback. I think if we had flimsier QBs too, I don't mind just taking an unstacked Richardson or even an unstacked Jones and just to hope that their rushing upside is kind of enough to carry you through a week or give you that, like Pete's talking about, you know, that third QB flexibility heading into the championship rounds and the playoff rounds and all that stuff. Um, but I think too, you know, it's just, it's all relative to draft did capital, DJ, all relative to the rooms. We're on the clock. Did DJ here. Moore fall to us here? What was that? Or did I miss him going? Uh, I, I thought for some reason, I thought DJ Moore was still on the board, but I must've missed him getting You love DJ Moore. Uh, I do. All right. We got Mixon suspension, Aaron Jones, running backs kind of thin. Ayuk, I wouldn't mind. Uh, Dobbins, I I'm good. Mind. I'm good with uh, any of these three wide receivers at the top here. I kind of hate Marquise Brown. I think the Cardinals are in a really bad situation. Like, I think they shouldn't be priced where they are. Obviously, Marquise Brown could kind of come up a little bit more because of DeAndre Hopkins potentially on the move. But, like, what are they going to do at QB? I guess if they do get Jacoby Brissett, maybe that makes it a little more appealing. Uh, but, like, Murray's going to miss... I think six weeks, if not half the year, and it's possible they're just not good then. Then you decide, hey, let's just let Murray sit because they're paying him so much money. I guess a lot of ways that Cardinal situation run, runs really bad. And also Super Bowl odds wise, they're like a plus 25,000 right now. So they're one of the worst teams. I wouldn't want, I really don't want any Cardinals besides maybe Connor. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, the way I would almost think about Marquise Brown is kind of like a younger version of Brandon cooks, right? Where you're like getting him in the sixth or seventh, you know, you're going to get some bankable production. You're going to get some spiked weeks for him. Sure. The quarterback play is going to be spotty, but I don't think um, I'm just fully out on him because I feel like the price is right. Especially if he does become the wide receiver one there, if Hopkins uh, ends up somewhere else. So I, it's not like the funnest or the sexiest pick, but I don't think he's mispriced necessarily. 
Also got to put in the call to action here because I've been following the analytics, Pete, and I know people usually watch about 20 minutes of this show. So please make sure to subscribe to Splash Play, hit the like button, leave a comment down below if you're watching after the fact. Pete and I will be drafting all year long, and we do fantasy football. does not stop around here. So keep hitting these best ball drafts, keep hitting the new tournaments on Underdog, and of course, giving you guys updates on things we're seeing out there. Splash Play, uh, we soldier on, Pete, excitedly, honestly. I feel like I feel rejuvenated for some reason, even though we took basically no downtime. Um, Because I feel like just having new players in the mix and having maybe some theoretical edge kind of perked me up a little bit with some of the rookies I've fallen in love with. Well, yeah, I mean, we got the 20 round drafts. We have all of the new rookies. We have like a ton of situations. I mean, what we could probably name 10 teams that are going to have like a new quarterback um, Mm -hmm. by the start of the season. So there's all kinds of new wrinkles where it doesn't quite feel stale. I have been trying to like, I'm diving in, but also keeping it at bay in that I haven't started ripping off fast drafts like on my phone at night, you know, like I was doing during hot best ball summer. So I am trying to like slow drafts, doing them on stream. I am going to ramp up to it, but I agree. It it doesn't feel, you know, people make fun of drafting in February, but I don't know. Fuck it. It feels fun. feels fresh. Yeah, I've got money in my account. I don't care. I'll keep doing it for now. I think I'm at uh, 25 big board drafts now. I'm probably not going to get to max and get out, I think. But when I have some downtime, I think it's a good way to familiarize yourself. And again, no skin off our back. If you guys aren't drafting right now, we're certainly going to talk about it. And I think I've heard from a few guys who are just like, yeah, I'm just going to probably watch the streams for now and not draft until May. I think this is a good way to get prepared and start to wrap your head around stuff because uh, even talking to Pat the other day, like I think it's nice to start to kind of work out some of these things and free agency is going to be insane. Like there's going to be 10 to 15 running backs on the move and that's going to really upset people's uh, mind space. We're on the clock though, Pete. I would not take Kamara. I would take Algier. Um, I would take Quentin Johnston. Let's, uh, let's, let's keep doing receivers. Okay, Quentin Johnson? Yeah. All right, let's do it. Of course, big-bodied receiver, 6'4 guy, who's also shockingly elusive. Uh, Pat and I kind of agreed that he's got some DeAndre Hopkins comps. But, uh, Pete, this is a guy, too, that I think uh, starting to soar up a little bit in terms of ADP. I'm seeing him go here in the high 70s. He's now, you know, generally around the low 80s. I see him going to the 60s now sometimes. I think he's a guy that get him now because I think the getting's getting good fast. Like, people are kind of getting keyed in that he might be the top receiver taken. Yeah, I I mean, I think... I like that price for him a lot more than the JSN price in the in the fifth round where he's been going. And I, it's not even that I think the JSN pick is bad. Um, I think Gretchen Crane were selling me a little bit more on it on ship chasing. But again, just knowing the landing spots and the draft capital is going to be kind of shuffled up between these guys. Like, I don't think it would shock anyone if Quentin Johnson went ahead of JSN. Um, so to then get, what, over a two-round ADP discount? on potentially the first wide receiver off the board relative to the other, whose game it sounds like will even translate a little bit more to a to a fantasy-friendly game. Um, I'm, I'm definitely down uh, grabbing him in the seventh. Yeah, I think he's got a nice ceiling to what he does over there. Obviously, you know, if you watch the playoffs all or watched uh, any of the games throughout the course of the season, you probably saw him hit a ceiling game at some point out there. But Quinton Johnson, definitely a nice player. Now we got a bunch of running backs to choose from. James Cook should gain a little bit uh, with Devin Singletary, free agent Charbonnet, an exciting rookie. Uh, Pete, I'll defer to you. You know what, Spags? I think we should lock up Tua and make yeah. sure we don't get sniped on that double just because I don't. none of those running backs are screaming out at me. Okay. No, I think that's fair. Miles Sanders, a free agent. James Conner, likely back to Arizona. Could be a guy they lean on if they do have crappy QB play in the beginning of the year. And James Cook, Pete, one of those guys that I've I've kind of been tooling with this in my head a little bit. 
I think James Cook was good relative to last year's class, relative to this year's rookies. I don't know that he was like an outlier player. Like he definitely wasn't a, a Pierce or Hall level guy or, you know, a Walker level guy. Even Al's year, I think grades out a lot better. I kind of wonder if Cook is a little bit overvalued just because people see Singletary not coming back and they could bring in somebody else. And I think it could really upset the James Cook love. I I agree with you. He probably should be a smidge cheaper. There are a lot of ways where we've just seen the Bills be very funky, right, with how they approach their running back stuff. I mean, bringing in Hines and then not utilizing him. And then you you still will see mock drafts where Bijan is projected to the Bills. Like, would it shock you if they took another stab? And even if it's not Bijan, if they took a guy in the second or third round. So I um, – or even a, or even if they were a player in free agency for one of these – these running backs too. So he seems like a guy where the bomb could go off. And I'd much rather like when we have uncertainty with a backfield like that, I'd rather just play it through the cheaper guy. And I've actually taken Singletary a few times. Who's really, really cheap. Um, I don't think their gap in ADP should be as big as it is. Well, I think Singletary too. One thing that jumps out to me with him being a free agent, like I just don't think he's going to price himself out of jobs. Like Barkley might price himself out. Even Jacobs, who I think was actually pretty good last year, might price himself out of some jobs. Whereas like Singletary, Miles Sanders, I think those guys kind of have to take what comes their way. Um, and I think Singletary was good enough last year where whether he's on Buffalo, whether he's somewhere else, he might be good. Um, there's also been rumors, Pete, of Derrick Henry maybe going to Buffalo as like their really his last shot at relevancy. Dude, Buff- uh, Derrick Henry in the snow, uh, all those uh, winter games, I can I can see it now. We got questions to uh, what's wrong with Kamara Kamara with the suspension stuff. There's some uh, legal expert Twitter guys, which I feel like you could put even lower of a grade compared to like the injury guys. And those that's already a pretty low grade. I don't know yeah. if that's fair. I think, I think like Drew Davenport, who's been on the Kamara beat, I find him more reputable than some of the Twitter doctors. Okay. Fair enough. So, so you agree then basically like Kamara could potentially be six to eight games. And I think too, he's closer to the side of washed and the free agency musical chairs. I think those three things combined make me go, I don't think I want Kamara right now. Right. Like, I feel like I want like discounts on three levels. I want the might be washed discount. I want the team might suck discount and I want the suspension discount. Um, so yeah, I, it's a tough click. Um, I love these running backs here. All of these three top running backs are fun picks for me. Yeah. Rashad white, I think is another guy too, who's maybe not a great running back compared to this class, but I think he's going to step into volume right away in Tampa Bay uh, for net, very likely cap casualty. So I think White looks good. Is he the best out of that foursome? Like Dylan, I don't mind either because he still had a role last year. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, I don't know if I can break the ties in there. I guess, you know, Rashad White catching a lot of passes um, Mm. is nice. Um, And there's a chance, right? Like AJ Dylan isn't going to own that backfield with Aaron Jones back. Like he's always going to seed stuff. Whereas it is within the range of outcomes that, you know, Rashad White, you know, wrestles away that backfield fully to himself and who knows what pans out with Lenny, but he was already looking like he was on his last leg. So maybe there's just a little bit more like top 10% upside outcomes with Rashad white. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think, you know, honestly, if he did just absorb that Fournette kind of workload and seem like they were pushing that way anyway, coaching staff, not really overhauled for Tampa Bay. So I feel like Rashad white probably has some good graces to carry over this year. So I'm with you. I I think Khalil Herbert's a guy that I kind of struggle with because he was actually pretty bad. According to EPA was actually pretty good though. According to football outsiders, DVA uh, DVOA, which of course I'll swear by. Um, But I would say like these running backs, Pete, I think are at a nice price tag because you're taking on some risk, but like white and Herbert could be bell cows and you're getting them after a hundred. Like, I think that could potentially be a nice price tag, especially compared to like Brian Robinson, who I think wasn't good last year. Yeah. I mean, you Rashad white was going in what? 
I mean, once Karain was pounding the drum for him last year, he was going in the 10th, 11th round when yep. BBM three was closing. And he's only going, what, a round and a half, two rounds higher than that right now. Um, and we kind of, I didn't see anything play out that scares me off of Rashad White going forward. I think maybe we wish he was like a little bit more explosive, but the fact that he was getting so much pass work. Um, so yeah, I, I think he's, a, I think it's a really nice price here. And the Bucks have some holes to fill too, so they might not want to take a running back. Um, even though this draft classes we've talked about a bunch, like loaded pretty much top to bottom of guys that could at least uh, step in and be a league average rusher. So it's possible Rashad White just kind of holds on to that role out of inertia, and I don't mind that. Um, Dalton Schultz, by the way, I like that he's falling in drafts. I think that's smart by this room. A uh, bunch of receivers here. Uh, Palmer, do we want to reach? Hmm, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I don't mind Palmer. Um, get that, get the double double stacks going. Yeah, I think that works. I think Palmer was better than people realized last year. Certainly not Keenan Allen. Uh, certainly not Mike Williams. But it's possible they decide they need to use their draft capital somewhere else and just take a, a lower tier receiver. And if that's the case, like Palmer's probably starting, even though he doesn't really wow anybody. And I'll also say too, like you know, by the time you know when BBM was closing, or even like in August, I mean the ADP got so efficient, and I really do think it's generally pretty bad to be reaching in a big way. But this. ADP is so unsettled and there's so much ambiguity with so many of these situations that I don't mind dancing around, especially after like round five um, to where I think old me would have been like, what, what, let's just see if Palmer comes back. But it's just like, does it really matter? Is there an opportunity cost on passing on Juju to take Joshua Palmer here? I don't think so. Yeah, I would agree. Um, saying, what about Kyle Trask being the Bucks QB? I don't think that's who they go in next year with. I think they're going to get one of the Rogers car tier of guys. And maybe maybe a rookie would make more sense for them. But I, Pete, I, I would put money that Kyle Trask is not starting the year. I, I would be shocked too. Um, it just feels like one of these like riffraff free agent quarterbacks, they'll sign... Um, I mean, and if you were going to go the Kyle Trask route, wouldn't you just draft one of these prospects in like the fourth, fifth round, find the Sam Corral or uh, the Sam Howell, the Matt Corral of this year and just like let it rip? Like, um, unless they think Kyle Trask has that kind of, I don't know, like upside, backup QB upside. I don't know. I don't know. I can't imagine it though. Yeah, I guess the way that Kyle Trask is, I'm starting. I mean, the NFL draft's going to tell you a lot because we'll have free agency before that. So you'll know if they get one of the car tier of guys or or not. And then uh, if they go into the draft, like if they draft a guy like Tanner McKee, who is not one of the rookie QBs who gets talked about a lot because he really wasn't very good last year, but he's 6'5 and like got kind of a traditional pocket passer guy that teams kind of fall in love with. I think that's maybe that's when you see Kyle Trask start, but you got to get the free agency first. So I, I wouldn't draft Kyle Trask right now. I think that'd be a wasted pick. Yeah, especially when some of these quarterbacks going late, it's like you just don't have to mess around with the trash. Like even a guy like Mac Jones has been free um, in these drafts that we at least know he's going to play. You know who I've been selecting here, and I don't. I mean, we could probably chill Michael on Michael Thomas. I was going to say I've been taking Wandell Robinson. I don't. I don't even mind uh, Kareem Hunt uh, if you want to do a running back. We are pretty thin at running back. Kareem Hunt's a free agent, so I like Michael Thomas and Wandale. I think both are interesting picks. Let's here. do Wandale. Okay. Ah, uh, no. Okay. Um, so Michael Thomas was actually good last year. I know it's going to sound crazy to people because he played so little, obviously got hurt again, was left, you know, left the lineup pretty fast again. That said, Pete, like people are taking Hopkins, you know, the 40 spot. I think Michael Thomas might end up being a better play this year than Deandre Hopkins. And I think he might go somewhere and kind of be right back to what he was doing. Whereas Hopkins, like I have some genuine fears that I think he, if he loses any volume. I think he's worthless, but Thomas, I think is so cheap now. And, 
you know, he was like a top 10 receiver for a pretty large chunk of his career. Yeah. I mean, don't you feel like the Thomas stuff? I mean, you are having to hit like a two to three leg parlay. Like you need to hope that he isn't like washed and then you need him to land in a really good situation. Um, what, what would be like, I mean, outside of like the hyper obvious ones of like saying the chiefs, like where, where would you like him to go? I mean, if he goes to the Chargers to be like a cheap Keenan Allen replacement, maybe, you know, takes that deal. I think he would immediately come up. Um, if he went to, I guess it would be tough because of the slot stuff with CeeDee Lamb and CeeDee Lamb is a lot better out of the slot. He goes to the Cowboys. Like, I think the Patriots, too, might be down basically all their receivers. They could feed him the ball 10 times a game if they don't get DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, I think there's a, like a good amount of outs for him, and I think people are just sleeping on the talent level. And he's almost 30, so, like, we're getting close to where this is now uh, the danger zone. But, it, like, this pick, you know, compared to Wandale coming off an ACL tear, I, I think Thomas has some legs. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I always, uh, reflexively don't like, uh, those kind of picks, but at this price, it's going to be hard for me to put up that much of a fight. Um, we are definitely now going to start having to rip yeah. running backs though. Yeah. I think Elijah Mitchell here works for me as a guy that's a contingent back that should have a workload. And I think too, he kind of cuts into what McCaffrey's ceiling is next year. Like I just don't think McCaffrey gets, you know, 25 touches a game when you have Elijah Mitchell, when you have TDP, when you have whatever, we'll probably draft another running back knowing how the Niners go. Um, but I think we're I in like, a nice little contingent back range here. I agree. Uh, I like Gibson. I, what, what's your take on uh, Spears, the rookie there? So Spears is little, but I think he's what people want Deuce Vaughn to be. Um, he was really good, and he also played some legit teams, even though he played at Tulane, like beat USC up really bad in their bowl game. I know USC's defense wasn't very good, but uh, that certainly was something that stood out. But I think he's a guy, too. What jumped out to me with him was that he actually was better versus eight-man boxes than you would think a guy who's like 5'7 is going to be. I, he might be a little bit taller than that. I think he's listed at 5'11, but he, he looks like he's like 5'7 to 5'9 range. Um, but he's got some power. He's also like a really good pass catcher. So I think there's some out for Spears. Um, I wouldn't mind Spears here out of these running backs, I guess. Yeah, uh, I'm good with that as well. Um, er, yeah, I, I, I guess maybe I would have said taking Gibson ahead of him, but um, I'm, I'm not going to. I think Gibson is one of those guys that gets squeezed by the free agent stuff potentially because I don't think he stays on the commanders unless Eric Bieniemy is somehow a gigantic fan of his, but he didn't show anything last year. Like Brian Robinson wasn't good, but Gibson was even worse. Uh, so I G think it's Gibson possible to move moments last year. I mean, there was a stretch where he was playing way better than Robinson. Well, I, I have the number because I was looking at it and was shocked. He was under a 10% DVOA, um, had negative EPAs. Yeah, so he had... Uh, negative 17% rushing DVOA, 12% receiving DVOA. So he did catch passes. Okay. But negative EPA is a rusher, uh, negative 0.1. Like he wasn't good in anything at an under a 10% avoided tackle rate. It's like the stuff that I think Gibson that we would file away in our heads. Like, Oh, he was good at, he didn't do any of it last year. So I would kind of worry that he just might end up jobless. Yeah. I, I doubt he's jobless, but I, it, to me, I don't necessarily think a change of scenery would be bad for him because I do think yeah. he could go somewhere where he's utilized a little bit more, you know, to his skill set. I mean, the whole frustrating thing about Antonio Gibson coming into the league was he had this sick pass catching profile and then they never really used him in that way. So I actually wouldn't mind a change of scenery for him. Yeah, I think it's possible. He's one of those guys that maybe comes up if he lands in the right spot. I just think the free agency stuff with the running backs, like there's so many question marks there because all it takes is like Saquon not signing with the Giants and then him kind of holding out too long. Then he goes down in price tag and he's got to go somewhere. Um, and that could sort of squeeze everybody where like Gibson gets squeezed and then these rookies coming in kind of squeeze these guys. 
Uh, I just have no idea where Gibson's going to land. And I think it's possible he's, again, I think it's possible he goes in a training camp without a job. Yeah. I, I would probably bet against that, but I, I see where you're coming from. Yeah. Like, I mean, he'll be like a Kenyan Drake guy. Maybe. I don't know. I think it's possible. So I think that's where the risk profile is for me, but I get it. Yeah. Cheap ADP. Uh, all right. We are about to be on the clock. We are not going to take Fournette. Um, what other, so we could, I don't, I mean, we got all of these veteran backs on interesting teams. Uh, I do really like both the Carolina backs, Foreman and Hubbard. If you have any other rookie fever, I still think P Ryan is slightly mispriced uh, in this range. I don't mind Rashad Penny, uh, another guy who could land somewhere and be a starter. Um, I like Penny too, but I don't, do we want to reach 30 picks ADP wise for him? Well, that's what I'm saying. Like at this point, we're just taking pretty much all running backs. Um, so I yeah. don't think it like really matters. Um, we can Terry, like. I guess out sure. of these guys that are closer. Yeah. Yeah. McKinnon's a free agent. Most It feels like he's tenuously hanging on to that Miami job. If he does uh, Fournette, again, another guy that might not have a job. Uh, Damian Harris, another free agent might not have a job. Foreman. They want to bring back to Carolina, but he was already getting his workload shot. This is a tough range for running back actually. Yeah. I mean, none of them like jump out in exciting ways, but adding a bunch of these guys, like, yeah. I don't know. I feel pretty confident of like the guys you see on the board here that like two or three of these guys are going to be pretty nice hits. Uh, Dylan asking is EPA spags new favorite metric. It is the one that I'm relying on the most because you could compare college EPAs to pro EPAs and kind of, you know, grade them on a scale. Then DVOA is still the one that I use as a kind of a, a counter reference, but I think EPA has a little more fluidity uh, to look at everything with. So that's, yes, that is my favorite metric right now. And I get it all from sports and Phil solutions as well. So if you want to, if you want to pay the price tag there, that is the great way to look at all different sorts of like, uh, how does this guy do in 10 over 10 air yards throws? How does this guy with missed tackles? And then also how does that affect his EPA? Um, really good site if you can afford uh, a subscription. Are you uh, are you doing disingenuous Antonio Gibson slander? Nick in the chat says Gibson's still under contract for next year. Oh, well, no. The, I think the speculation is he might get released, but I oh, think okay. that's, yeah. That's one where I think there's been a lot with the local reporters there, but I guess, yeah, he might still be under contract for one more year. Um, it's, yeah, I mean, there's also a lot of guys too, like there's the actual free agents and then the guys who are likely free agents. And I think um, I was reading some athletic article where they were talking about he's not likely to be back as the commander's. Okay. Second guy. Um, yeah. So anyway, I think Singletary though, nice free agent pick potentially just because he's not going to talk himself out of deals, which I think is the risk for both Josh Jacobs and Barkley as free agents. Um, yeah. Tight ends. Are we just going to skim the rookie tight ends late? That would be my thought just because we're needing to cover so much ground at running back. And we know that there's the tight ends late that we like that I kind of am down to just keep hammering tight end unless, or sorry, running back, unless someone really jumps out to you. Uh, yeah. Okay. That works. I think, you know, we've got pretty good at receiver now. I wouldn't mind taking a few of the outside rookies late, but they'll be available in like the 19th, 20th. Um, poof. All right. Um, most if you can, I, I mean, I also like P Ryan, like I still think there's avenues where his like ADP could jump, um, in a big way. And he was just good. And he's on one of the best offenses. Like at the very least, you're just getting like, how is Samaj P Ryan any different than like Alexander Madison, you know, at the very least. Yeah. And there's upside for more. And, and they trust P Ryan more than, you know, I think the Vikings trust Madison. Uh, so I get it. Um, I think, I think the Bengals draft somebody, like I think they move on from Mixon and draft somebody, but for right now, if they didn't do that, P Ryan would probably go up like what 50 spots at least. 
Right. And even in your scenario, okay, say Mixon leaves, they draft uh, one of these studs. Um, well, one, the running back could flop. Um, that can happen to rookies. And two, you still have the injury discount. Maybe they get a guy who's more of a thumper and P Ryan's um, pass catching role is even more robust because Mixon was always eating into that a little bit too. So I don't know. I just feel like there's lots of good outs uh, for P Ryan. P Ryan's a free agent as well, yeah. but again, he's one of those guys where I think the free agents that you know aren't going to be chasing big money. Like he's going to probably, I would assume, be back as a Bengal, um, especially with the Mixon uncertainty. But I guess it is fair to point out though that um, it seems it it seems very unlikely that they'd let both Mixon and P Ryan go. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think this is a fair question from Paul. Does the new OC help Gibson and out? So that's something I think actually is we're talking about because new coaching staffs coming in do sometimes favor a guy that wasn't the previous regime's favorite child. But you still have the same head coach there. Ron Rivera clearly did not like Gibson and uh, wanted him out of that role. So I think that does impact things. Uh, but it is important to note that though, because like, again, coaching staffs fall in love with guys. And like, I think sometimes that's one thing that we as a market don't account for ADP wise, but then you start to learn in like training camp. Um, and I think that's something, you know, uh, Gibson could, I guess, fall back into favor, but I think it's more likely he gets released. Yeah. Um, all right. We are almost back up here. I, I mean, you love tank. <laughs> I don't, I don't care. I think Penny out of these guys would be my pick. Yeah. I'm, I'm fine with that. Penny was another guy who was really good last year. Um, I think, too, coming off of an injury that happened earlier in the year. And I think he's a guy that's going to sign one of those prove-it deals, and I think he will prove it if he signs one of them. So, like, again, who do you want? Do you want Saquon for 15 mil, or do you want Penny for 5 mil? I think Penny's going to land in a nice spot. Yeah. Um, I like the Penny pick. I have another guy. Uh, we, we actually have some intriguing rookies coming up. There's mm. a couple guys I like here deep. Um, I was going to ask, cause he was the tight end sitting at the top. Do you think there's any chance Kisiki comes back to the dolphins? I think it's possible, but I, if I were them, I'd probably draft his replacement and go a different direction. Cause he clearly wasn't the guy that they thought like they needed in that offense last year. Uh, but he might go to like a Patriots. The Patriots are probably going to cut Hunter Henry. I think, cause they would save like 15 million in cap savings. Um, so like maybe Gasicki goes somewhere that actually uses him as a pass catcher. So like I think he's got life even if he's not in Miami. Yeah, I mean they just showed. I mean they were fucking running Durham Smythe ahead of him, so it just yeah. doesn't seem like he's really in their plans, which is crazy because it does on paper like Gasicki as the third option with Reek and Waddle makes a lot of sense to me. But what do I know? Yeah, no, I think I think that's a, a fair way to look at it, and I think you know. There's uh there goes Richardson. Richardson, by the way, steaming up the boards, which oh, um, yeah. I there's no correlation, Pete, to like I, I know if, I don't know if you've noticed, but I put a few tweets out recently kind of planting flags for some of these late guys, and they're all coming up. And I hate when the industry starts to kind of move at the same wavelength as like I wanted to get Richardson for cheap for a couple more weeks, and now everybody's catching up that this guy might be a top 10 pick. I think now the odds are kind of favoring him being a top 10 pick. Um yeah, I and you know you've been hype on him. Pat has been like Pat, like, you know, he's taking him everywhere yeah, against uh, don't take Trey Lance. Cause you can get Anthony Richardson later. So yeah, he is, he's going to start getting pushed up. Like he's going to be very trendy. And I've even seen guys on like betting Twitter, betting long shot odds that he's the first overall pick. So there's lots of Anthony Richardson hype right now. Um, Willis saying no shot. He comes back to the dolphins. He wants out of there. I will tell you, if you follow uh, Mike Gesicki on Instagram, this guy's bromance with Durham Smythe is 
inseparable. These guys go to Mexico together. They're constantly on double dates. Like literally every night they are hanging out. So I will say uh, he might take a team friendly deal just not to uh, have to leave his friend Durham. So I'm going to highlight a couple guys here. We, for some reason, just went in a wave of guys that I love who I think are great values. Rashid Shahid was a monster, limited sample size guy, but EPA numbers look great. His routes are going to come up this year. Uh, Mechie was better than people realize in college. He's going to be good. Cedric Tillman, Pete, great outside receiver rookie guy who was better the year before uh, this last year, but still was fantastic in 2021. And Roshan Johnson at running back, big bodied guy who I think the teams are going to fall in love with because he can actually move the pile. So all those guys are gone now. So who do you like? (laughs) Well, I was going to say one of the running backs that I liked, uh, unless you had a rookie really liked, was uh, I do. I like Chuba a lot. I think Chuba is a, I think both Chuba and Foreman are really good values right now. Okay. I'll take them. I I think so. Dwayne McBride intrigues me just because he was really elusive, but he played at UAB and really, you can watch the highlight reel. And as I've talked about, I think this is one of those important tests. Go watch all the games of the guys who actually were good and then see who they were playing in all those games. Like, that's why Sean Tucker, to me, is really overvalued. Dwayne McBride, yeah, he beat up on Liberty. He beat up on all these teams. Uh, but that said, like, if a team falls in love with one of these guys, like, I think I would highlight Kendra Miller. Um, Kendra Miller, Dwayne McBride, I think. McIntosh might be a guy people fall in love with. Um, I think these are the players that I would say right here, uh, along with Roshan Johnson, just really undervalued because some team's going to fall in love with one of them. Yeah. Yep, spraying and praying on these guys makes sense. We should think structurally here. So we're at two, six, seven, one with four more picks. We're gonna for sure add two more tight ends. Um, and then the question is, I think for sure two more tight ends, for sure one more running back. And then I think we have the choice on an eighth wide receiver or a third quarterback. Yeah, I think, yeah, we got to get our tight ends now. I think coming up here. Well, let's let's see what these players do. But I think McBride Hurst coming off. Uh, we are in the danger zone for losing. Yeah, I'm not going like, to I love this pocket of tight ends, honestly. Likely Bellinger, Fant, Kincaid, Jelani Woods. Um, I like those guys. For, There's no for, way we would take likely in our build, though. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, sacri- so sacrilegious, I think, is the guy who took uh, Tillman in this draft. Cedric Tillman will have a better career than Quentin Johnson Book it. Uh, let's talk. So, so Pete, have you heard any of these names at the late guys that like, I feel like Tyler Scott's a guy that Herzig has talked about. Have you heard any of these names as guys that you're starting to take a little, uh, not take a little, um, what's the one guy I've heard of? Is it, is it Patrick Washington? Is that his oh, name? Oh, Parker Washington. Parker Washington. I've heard a little bit about him. I've seen some, uh, some TikToks of him making some sick catches, but no, my thin late round dart wide receiver Rolodex is pretty barren right now. So the guys that I would put a cosign for that I've started to dig into a little bit more, Marvin Mims, I've talked about pretty early on. I think he's an outside guy. You can be pretty good. Uh, played at Oklahoma, played some legit teams. We're on the you want to do your boy, Kincaid? Weren't you yeah, tweeting about Kincaid? Kincaid? Yes, right. I love Kincaid. All right. Um, Dalton Kincaid, Utah tight end. I did tweet uh, one take about him, but a high avoided tackle rate, can run out of the slot really well. Uh, if people are looking for the rookie who has the best shot to be Travis Kelsey, and again, that's like really lofty praise and you shouldn't do that. But I think if you're looking for a guy who can do it, uh, Kincaid is that guy. And um, you would have talked me into likely if, if we didn't have Andrews, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I I don't even think it's like necessarily bad. Um, Like if we had, say we had a bigger bet on the Ravens, you know, if we had taken Lamar um, at this price, because I don't, I don't think you have to think of likely necessarily as a handcuff. Um, Obviously his ceiling outcome would happen if Andrews got hurt, but I don't, think it's insane that they could coexist especially if they continue to not invest in any other pass catchers i mean 
he he flashed big time as as a rookie and just the way they were using him um as pretty much a jacked up you know glorified wide receiver uh i think you can take him with andrews yeah and again i i think too just uh, if you're tuning in now and see the views coming up so we appreciate all you guys joining us here uh later in the stream but uh, again todd munkin at georgia did really have an offense that's the same two tight ends so i think it's possible that you could see mark andrews have a good year and likely have a good year um, even if that doesn't fit normally what we're trying to do best ball wise, I agree. If we had Lamar, I think we could have taken both guys and felt not too bad about it. Uh, does Spags love Kincaid? He will probably have a restraining order for Spags by the time the season starts. I do love Kincaid very much. And I think it's insane. He goes this late. Uh, he and Luke Musgrave guys that we've highlighted or that I've highlighted, that I think are really good. Musgrave, a six, six guy who's apparently people think might run a four, four 40 at the combine. We'll see if he can be that fast, but great downfield guy. Darnell Washington, another guy late, Sam Laporta, who Pat and I agreed on, uh, looked pretty good at Iowa. Uh, tight end is lush this year, so that's the one knock you can have for an Isaiah likely is like he was good in the year at tight end where all the rookie tight ends were kind of trash. Can we talk about your new pivot? I mean, the way you're tweeting about these players, this is a new thing. I mean, you are, you're going full fantasy analyst with some of these tweets you're doing. You're hitting all the benchmarks, a couple good stats, a little GIF or a video of the player. I mean, this is this is a transformation for you, Spex. I, I've been trying to make it a goal to start tweet a little bit more because I know it's important, especially, you know, I'm still working on probably I'm just kind of downplaying the promotion there until we have the product where it needs to be and I can use it every day and then have that confidence to pass on to people. But yeah, like I'm trying to put out the one a day tweet. I didn't do one today because we're doing the show, but I'll probably hit one a day because I think the rookie stuff, like people just aren't there in terms of their prep work. And I started early, so I want to reap the, the clout rewards. Um, there you go. All right, so we're on the clock again. Um, I think Musgrave went, so he's gone. I'm we a sucker to... for Noah Fant, but I think Bellinger's fine too. Mm, mm, we'll take Bellinger. We'll take Bellinger. So, I, all right, yeah. so we're now done at tight end. Um, mm -hmm. And the, the last question will be, is there a quarterback we like or uh, maybe a stack that we can complete or do we just want to tack on an eighth and just it does feel uh feel dicey to play for an entire healthy season from Tua, but we've already made such a big bet on the dolphins yeah and there's nothing at qb like we want now like Tannehill ritter might not have the job Tannehill, i think is one of the more overvalued guys um if we I had london or pitts i would push for a ritter flyer yeah i guess that's fair i i worry he's not going to keep that job um Let's in. Are we good with our running back room? White, uh, Ty J Spears, Singletary, P Ryan, Penny, Chuba. I see a running back I would take. Yeah. Um, we're going to, oh, yeah. Sorry. We have two more picks, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to do one more running back for sure. And then we're just deciding. Let me, can you just go to the quarterback tab? Yep. Uh, hold on. Yeah. There, there's nothing here Ooh. unless you want to take Brissett in the hopes that he starts somewhere. Yeah, literally the only name that's interesting to me here is Ritter, and we don't really have any other Falcons. Um, so yeah, I think I'm okay just going with Herbert and Tua. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. I think you know we spent pretty good draft capital on him, so I don't mind it. Um, even though three QB does feel like a nice luxury. Once we missed Anthony Richardson, I think I was I mentally was like, okay, we're just gonna have two QBs, and that's fine. Yeah. Um, let's see, is Pete hopping on the ship chasing stream right after this? Yes, Pete, give the plug here because you're going up over on the ship chasing channel in about 10 minutes. Yeah, this is going to be a new show. I'm not going to regularly be on it. This is going to uh, normally be Sam Sherman and Davis. Uh, they are going to do a show called ADP 
chasing where they look at um, a lot of movements in the markets, obviously underdog. I'm sure they'll be looking at FFPC uh, stuff as well. So you guys might've gotten to know Sam from doing stat chasing with Drico this off season. It's going to be kind of an extension of that. But today, because Davis is out shredding the gnar in the Colorado Rockies, uh, Pat and I are going to hop on with him to kick off that show. So yes, I will be hopping over there directly after this show. Um, so, and also make sure to like and subscribe here, of course, as well. We'll be doing these drafts all off season long. Pete and I will also be doing, uh, trying to do two shows a week here for the next few weeks, at least. So, uh, stay tuned here. Of course, we'll keep it going, uh, but we're on the clock here. So Pierre strong, I think is a nice pick at this point. Yeah. I love okay. Pierre strong. I think he takes the Damian Harris role and I think he is the thing that keeps Ramondre from paying off his ADP. That's one of my hot takes. Like I think Pierre strong was actually kind of good last year. I think Belichick knows that. And I think they're going to go in with him being like, the one B yeah, if, if not full one B maybe at number two, I think I saw someone say this. I don't know if it was in the ship chasing discord, um, but I agreed with it. And that is, I think Pierre strong is going to be my Eno Benjamin this year. Like the guy that's just always there for me in the last round that I just can't stop taking. Um, hopefully it plays out better than the Eno thing did. I'm also Jay Chang asking, are you doing a draft on ship chasing? It's a, it's more of a strategy talking show, right? <laughs> yeah, no draft. Jay Chang, I feel like the only comments you ever have on live streams are, are you doing a draft? He was at our baseball live stream asking if we're going to do a big board draft. The, the title of the video, Jay Chang, was Pete drafts a baseball team. Uh, Spags and I are going to be drafting a big board team every week. I'm going to be drafting one to two big board drafts uh, every week on best ball breakfast. I'm sure on ship chasing, we'll continue to sprinkle them in. Uh, Liam just drafted a big board team last night. There are plenty of big board drafts for you to consume. I assure you. And once we get to mid-March, Pete, I'm going to add in some solo draft streams as well. There you so go. Hang, hang on, hang tight. But yeah, we got to, I know you said it on one of the streams, like you got to savor it a little bit. Kind of, I think that's where we are with it, where we'll do like the one a week for now. Maybe we'll double two a week if we can't find a good guest. But I, I think you want to, you don't want to go whole hog right away. I think, I think. <laughs> I don't know. People want us to go whole hog right away. They want us to be full, full flock mode doing five drafts a week. And I don't know. I'm doing them on my private time, but I kind of want to get everything right. You know? Yeah. You know, well, you got to now have to carve out more time for these tweets, man. <laughs> it's true. It's hard to write a tweet a day. I'll tell you what. I yeah. did not enjoy that. <laughs> Trust me. Tweeting sucks, man. Um, so other late round receivers, I'm just going to highlight. Um, I think Xavier Hutchinson is an interesting one. He's another big body guy, Iowa State, I believe, um, who I didn't dig in a bunch, but actually graded out pretty well according to the advanced analytic numbers. So I would highlight him. Talked about Cedric Tillman. I think he's undervalued. Uh, kind of lost some market share last year because of being hurt. But Jalen Hyatt, uh, Jalen Hyatt pulled ahead of him. But in 2021, he was actually a beast outside. Uh, played pretty well. 6'3 guy. So Tillman would be another guy I would plant a flag for. And Marvin Mims, who uh, I guess actually he might still be available, so I might make you take What about Travis? Or, oh, Scott just went. Yeah, because people were talking about him too. He's shorter, so I'm not as into him because I think there is still something to having elite size and being an outside guy that matters. Uh, but Tyler Scott, I think, grades out pretty well, looks good. I would put him behind Mims relative to the competition level. Um, but I know Scott, like again, Herzig likes him for a reason, so I think you know you, I have no issue following the lead there. Um, yeah, you can, you can pick your favorite... Uh rookie to select here i also wouldn't throw a bit if you yeah terrace marshall's fine we got yeah, two, i think if you're not getting dj Moore, terrace marshall uh almost a 0.5 epa per target last year which kind of surprised me but i do recall him being better than he seemed um so i think that marshall's a nice pick here in the 20th round too all right spags read our final roster here now that we're 20 picks deep 
All right, we got Justin Herbert and two at QB. We've got Rashad White, Ty J Spears, Devin Singletary, Samaj P. Ryan, Rashad Penny, Chuba Hubbard, and Pierre Strong at running back. So it's a zero RB team. Definitely a little thin there. Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle, Mike Williams, Brandon Ayuk, Quentin Johnston, Joshua Palmer, Wandale Robinson, and Terrace Marshall at receiver. Then a tight end, we got Mark Andrews, rookie Dalton Kincaid, and Daniel Bellinger, the year two man. Nice team. I like it. I like it too. Um, you know, maybe like having one more rookie running back in here would have been fun, but it never really fell to us uh, yeah. in that way. Yeah, I wanted to get Roshan Johnson, but we didn't get him, which is fine. But another guy that, again, people took some nice rookies in this draft. I think we saw uh, some, here, Sacrilege saying Mims and Scott are mine in every room. So there you go. He's taking Mims and Scott. Uh, but I think people did a good job capitalizing on rookies. A lot of rooms out there, Pete, I think people are not as good at capitalizing on the rookies who have any sort of upside. Yeah, mine, mine are self-selecting because all my fast drafts I've done so far have been uh, stream drafts where the rookies are very popular. Like I'm in a slow right now, Spags, where I just got, I want to make sure I'm not misspeaking. I got Jameer Gibbs as my running back one in the early seventh, I believe. Um, and that hasn't been happening in my my live draft. So yeah, some of these other draft rooms, the people aren't quite as uh, rookie running back hungry. Here we go. Marking this one down. Another splash play, one of the books. Uh, we got a minute here. Let me show you my exposures just so you can see. <laughs> so, I've been going ham on the wow. rookies. Dalton Kincaid, 64%. Spears. Oh, you are a penny guy, though. I, right. I think he's a tremendous value. Yeah. I think he's one of the best. In terms of what money he's going to get and where he's going to land, I think Penny's a guy that could land 15 different teams and be better than guys who are going to get paid a lot more money. Hey, I, I like it. I'm glad you're uh, finally hitching your wagon to a safer Seahawks bet uh, this year. <laughs> All right, give the plug one more time, Pete. Of course, people should be subscribed to Splash Play. Should hit the like button down below. Leave a comment if you're watching after the fact. Pete and I will be back next week doing two shows, but you're going over to ship chasing right now to do some ADP chasing. Yes, um, but I do think, you know, my schedule's a teeny bit in flux, but I do think we can continue to lock in that Tuesday at 2.30, um, and we will see. We can huddle and see if we want to get a guest or just rip it with us two. But, yeah, I'm going to hop over to Ship Chasing now if you guys want to talk ADP with Sam Sherman and Pat. And then the only other thing, I've been mentioning it this week, my first newsletter is out posted that this morning. If you're not subscribed, you can still go read it, but I'd love it if you uh, would subscribe to that newsletter. Going to drop that in your inbox every Friday. You doing that on Beehive? I am. Oh, yeah. Hey, I like Beehive. I got on Beehive because of you for the Probably newsletter, so go check out Pete's. I actually have to sign up for that because I forgot to do it earlier in the week, but follow Pete at Peter Roversette. Follow me at Chris Spaggs. Follow this show at Splash Play Pod. As I mentioned earlier, the fantasy football content goes on all year long here. So we'll be back on Tuesday at 2.30 talking about everything out there, keeping up with everything. We appreciate each and every one of you guys for hanging out with us. We will see you guys again very soon. So good luck. Have a good weekend. Bye. <laughs>